Should Democrats trade the southern border for Ukraine? It may be time for Democrats to engage in some good old-fashioned backroom deal-making. If they do it right, they can strip Republicans of one of their most potent electoral issues while setting the stage for true reform of what has become a true American crisis. Russian President Putin has ordered Donald Trump to sabotage USA to Ukraine, and Trump has passed the word along to Republicans that anybody who doesn't go along with the two of them will face a primary challenger. Trump just doubled down on it this weekend in New Hampshire, praising Putin up one side and down the other, while quoting Orban and Hitler that immigration by non-white people poisons the blood of a nation. In an attempt to appease Trump and Putin, Republicans in the Senate claim they're putting together a security package to send foreign and military aid to Ukraine and Israel while also securing our southern border from immigrants and asylum seekers. Democrats first dismissed the proposed deal as bad-faith bargaining, pointing out that Republicans were demanding poison-pill radical changes to our asylum and immigration policies and border security without being willing to engage in any sort of discussion about actual reform of our broken systems. And broken they are. The last successful attempt at comprehensive immigration reform, the Immigration Control and Reform Act of uh, or Simpson-Mazzoli, happened in 1986. Ever since then, Republicans have opposed or obstructed every good-faith effort by Democrats to come up with a bipartisan solution to the crisis on our southern border. And yes, it is a crisis. Republicans don't want a solution because having a border crisis involving brown-skinned people works out really well for them, as it has for right-wing governments all across the world. Viktor Orban rose to power as Hungary's soft fascism dictator by pointing to the brown-skinned Syrian refugees who were fleeing Putin's bombing to that country and promising to build a wall along Hungary's southern border to keep them out. It's a promise he has kept. Across the rest of Europe, right-wing parties are doing as Trump and Orban did and pointing to brown-skinned immigrants as the largest and most immediate threat to the blood and soil of their nations. They include the neo-fascist Brothers of Italy, which now runs that country, and the Lega Party, the Swiss People's Party, Switzerland's largest, the Finns Party in Finland, the National Rally, formerly the National Front in the Netherlands, Alternative for Deutschland in Germany, the United Kingdom Independence Party in the UK, and the Freedom Party in in Austria. In an apparent homage to Ron DeSantis shipping asylum seekers to Martha's Vineyard in New York, Russian President Putin has been sending brown-skinned immigrants to the Finnish border in such numbers that the Finns have been forced to close all the borders, border crossings they share with Russia, an 832-mile-long stretch. Russia is apparently now playing the role of human traffickers, helping these refugees from Kenya, Morocco, Pakistan, Somalia, Syria, and Yemen find unmonitored places along the border where they can sneak across, correctly believing that a flood of refugees will politically upset Finland and help out the pro-Putin right-wing parties there. On this side of the Atlantic, the issue of the browning of America has been panicking white supremacists since the Reagan administration when the change to our immigration laws in 1965 with the Hart-Celler Act, which ended racial immigration quotas going back to 1921 that were designed to keep America white, was becoming obvious. In 1960, 84% of all immigrants to the U.S. were white, as the 1921 law required. By 2017, only 13.2% of immigrants were white. Should it then surprise anybody that the white nationalists who make up the base of the GOP flipped out about immigration? Or that the Republican politicians would know this and hammer it at every opportunity while refusing to participate in any real solutions because the border crisis works to their political advantage? 
This is, after all, foundational to the great replacement theory that Trump, Alex Jones, David Duke, and multiple Republican politicians have been endorsing. Ever since very fine people were chanting, Jews will not replace us with black or Hispanic people in Charlottesville. Republican rhetoric on the issue has become so predictable that Richard Haas, normally a reasonable voice on foreign policy issues, had to be corrected on Fareed Zakaria's GPS show yesterday when he said that Democrats favor an open border policy. In fact, it's libertarians who believe all countries should have open borders or that more immigrants coming to America is a good thing because it increases the supply of low-wage labor that businesses so love. Rand Paul, for example, has sponsored legislation that would increase immigration to the United States. But that hasn't stopped Republicans from inviting as many people as possible to come to America by proclaiming that our border is wide open because, they say, of democratic policies. While no elected Democrat I can find has ever called for open borders, Republicans keep saying that Democrats are for open borders and that they've gotten their way and the southern border is open. Thus, while it's true that two factors have driven a lot of migration over the past few decades, climate change wiping out farmland and political dysfunction and gangs caused by the Reagan administration illegally devastating the governments of El Salvador, Honduras, and Guatemala, the main driver of would-be immigrants and refugees today is the Republican Party itself. Lacking any actual substantive economic issues to run on, the GOP has decided to fall back on a familiar ploy, scare white people that brown people are coming for them and or their jobs. Back in the 1950s and 60s, I remember well how the GOP's pitch to white people was that black people wanted our jobs. Now it's brown people from south of the border. Trump did this in the most crude, vulgar, and racist way possible from his first entrance into the Republican primary through the end of his presidency and to this day. It frightened enough white voters that it got, got him into office once, and the GOP is hoping they can repeat that trick in 2024. In doing so, they're playing with fire. Their lies about American policies are causing refugees to put their lives and their families in danger. The truth is that Joe Biden never opened our southern border. Open borders have never been his policy or the Democratic Party's policy or indeed the policy of any elected Democrat or Democratic strategist in American history. Everybody understands and agrees that for a country to function, it must regulate immigration and its borders must have a sensible level of integrity. Everybody. But you'd never know that from watching Fox so-called news or listening to right-wing podcasts or hate radio wherever, whenever there's a Democrat in the White House. Republicans are playing a very dangerous game here. By loudly proclaiming their lie that Biden has opened the southern border and is welcoming immigrants and refugees with open arms, they are creating the very problem they're pointing to. Just Google open border and congressman, congresswoman, or senator, and you'll get a list from Republic, of Republican politics too long to print. There are the, these are the quotes that coyotes, human smugglers, print out and distribute to desperate people in Central and South America as advertisements to get people to trade their life savings for transportation to the, to the Rio Grande. At the top of that list, of course, you'll find the most contemptible Republican demagogues. Ted Cruz wants everybody south of our border to know that Biden open border policy is a very craven political decision. Rick Scott wants everybody to know that Americans don't want Biden's open borders. Marco Rubio says there's nothing compassionate about Biden's open border policies. Rand Paul is so extreme, he tells us Senator Rubio is the one for an open border. Josh Hawley says Biden's open border policy has created a moral crisis. Tom Cotton insists the border is wide open. Ron Johnson wants the world to know that our national security is at risk because Democrats have turned border security into a partisan issue. Marjorie Taylor Greene blasts open border hypocrites. 
Mo Brooks opposes socialist Democrats' open border policy for helping kill Americans. Lauren Boebert says the root cause of the open border crisis is in the White House. Matt Gates revealed a complex and deceitful agenda by Joe Biden's Democrat administration to evade our southern border law enforcement. Jim Jordan says Biden's deliberate support of Im- illegal immigration could lead to impeachment. Kevin McCarthy says the Biden administration has utterly failed to secure the open border. Elise Stefanik proclaims Biden's open border policies have been a complete disaster. Tom Cole's website features Biden's Open Border America. Bob Good brags about introducing legislation named the Close Biden's Open Border Act. John Rose calls out Biden, Biden's open border policy. Paul Gosar claims Biden is destroying America with his open border policies. Roger Williams complained about the Democrats' open border problem. Tom Cole wants the world to know that Biden's open border policies have given the green light to migrants and bad actors from around the world. And Gus Bill Rackus denounces dangerous open border policies on the House floor, end quote. The list goes on and on, and these messages have spread all across Central and South America, just as Republicans hoped they would, driven by human smugglers following the profit motive, based on an intentional GOP lie. And the small percentage of migrants who actually get through our border and survive the trek across deadly deserts provide more cheap labor for Republicans, big donors, factories, and construction sites. Along with more brown-skinned people, they can demonize as replacing white Americans on Fox News. Win-win for the GOP. The hypocrisy is obvious. If Republicans were really worried that immigrants were diluting the labor pool and driving down wages, their main non-racist argument, they'd be pushing for an E-Verify kind of mandatory citizenship confirmation system like most other countries have. Instead, they refuse to even consider such legislation that would help us regulate our labor markets and discourage purely economically motivated immigrants in favor of true refugees. I lived and worked in Germany for a year, and it took me months to get a work permit from that government to do so. I worked in Australia, too, and the process of getting that work permit took a couple of months. In both cases, it was my employers who were most worried about my successfully getting the work permits and did most of the work to make it happen. There's an important reason for that. The way that most countries prevent undocumented immigrants from disrupting their economies and causing cheap labor competition with their citizens is by putting employers in jail when they hire people who don't have the right to work in that country. We used to do this in the United States. In the 1920s, the United States began regulating immigration and similarly put into place laws regulating who could hire people to legally work in this country and who couldn't. Because there was so much demand for low-wage immigrant labor in the food belt of California during harvest season, President Dwight Eisenhower experimented with a program in the 1950s that granted season-long passes to workers from Mexico. Millions took him up on it, but his Bracero program failed because employers controlled the permits. And far too many used that control to threaten people who objected to having their wages stolen or refused to tolerate physical or sexual abuse. A similar dynamic is at work today. Employers and even neighbors extract free labor or other favors of all sorts from undocumented immigrants in the United States, using the threat of deportation and the violence of ICE as a cudgel. Undocumented immigrants working here end up afraid to call the police when they're the victims of or witnesses to crimes. Everybody loses except the GOP and the employers they're in bed with, who get a cheap, pliable, easily threatened source of labor that is afraid to talk back or report abuses. The tragedy is in the lives of the desperate people who listened to those Republican lies and got robbed, raped, or even killed trying to make it here. They pack all their belongings into a single backpack, bid tearful goodbyes to friends and family, and begin a grueling journey facing dangers of death, kidnapping, rape, and violence, their fathers, mothers, and children. 
quite literally taking their lives in their in their hands because they believed cynical, unfeeling, uncaring, sociopathic Republican politicians who are lying for political gain. That said, and speaking as the grandson of immigrants, there is a limit to how much immigration a nation, region, state, or city can withstand before things start to break down. Southern Republican governors are shipping their newly arrived immigrants into New York, Chicago, Los Angeles, and other blue cities to force Democrats to confront the proportions of the problem we have today because all of these GOP proclamations, because of all these GOP proclamations, that the border is wide open. And it's working. New York's Mayor Adams has said that the influx of immigrants is destroying his city. Dozens of other blue cities across America are straining under the load, particularly as winter approaches and our broken immigration system denies these new asylum seekers work permits. So perhaps it's time for Democrats to turn the tables on the GOP and take this topic off the table until November's election. Go along with their demands to close the border, stop admitting refugees and immigrants, and fund the de- a deportation system for those people who have not yet been processed. Point out how years of Republicans and right-wing media inviting people here with open border rhetoric has crashed the system. Declare a state of emergency and allocate funds to help Mexico in sending nations deal with people who have been turned away from our border and demand comprehensive immigration reform. The simple reality is that no, no nation can absorb immigrants beyond a certain threshold without producing a backlash. Blacks, Hispanics, and Asians aren't the only ones this argument has been used against. Racial discrimination based on these superior-inferior theories was widespread in America against Irish, Italians, and Poles from the mid-19th through the early 20th century. Racially motivated anti-Irish violence was particularly vicious in Boston and New York after the Irish potato famine of the 1840s drove immigration to America. In 2002, Leonardo DiCaprio and Martin Scorsese made a movie about it, Gangs of New York, set in 1865. At the moment, this issue is relatively quiet. Republicans haven't yet gone into campaign mode. But just as predictably as caravans from the South appear on Fox News a month or two before every federal election when there's a Democrat in the White House, the GOP will start screaming about all those brown-skinned people coming here next summer, and it'll be a deafening roar by the November election. If the GOP's price for aid to Ukraine and Israel is to stop the flow of immigrants into this country for a year or so, I say pay the ransom. It'll politically neuter Republicans. Get aid to our Democratic allies who are under attack, although the Israel aid should be conditional on ending the bombing and embracing a two-state solution. And giving a much-needed break to the blue cities Abbott and DeSantis are trying to break. Hold your nose and go for it, Democrats. If you can get an even, uh, even if you can even if you can get even an objectionable deal, one that's not completely insane. In the final analysis, it'll be best for America and for future refugees and immigrants who deserve a system that actually works and can deal with their asylum and citizen applications in a reasonable and timely manner. I realize that some of my progressive colleagues, both in broadcasting and in print, will immediately object. However, if you present to the American people the case that this is necessary to help save democracy around the world and ultimately here in America, and that it is a small but temporary compromise, it's a risk worth taking. Americans really do care about freedom and the future of this nation, of the democracy and constitution for which so many Americans have given their lives in battle and in a thousand other ways. Make the deal.